Hey, welcome to A Little Better. My name's Daniel. I'll be your host. Today, we talk all about God's kingdom, your wallet, and other things that impact your heart. Today on the episode, our lead pastor, Drew Karshner, is back in the saddle, and we can't wait to talk all about those topics and much more. Remember, our goal on the podcast is to know Jesus better, and by the power of His Spirit, do better, so together we can be a little better. Hey, well, welcome to this week on A Little Better, week seven of Summer on the Mount. Drew, you're back. I am back. Hey, you still know how to preach. You were saying that before, like, hey, I still know how. That's good. Uh, That's good. So I was the only one who I see prepped, you know, prepared for the money sermon. I wore my money shirt. Nice. I lost my receipts, but not my salvation, you know. That's always good. Um, (laughs) Where did you get that? uh, It was when I was a youth pastor, there was um, a... Download Youth Ministry was a group I was a part of, and I was huh. one of their gold members, so I got wow. a free T-shirt. Wow. Gold <laughs> members. That was a big deal. Was, keyword, was a big deal. Uh, so, Drew, you did the sermon this past weekend. What is your sermon in 60 seconds? Uh, basically, uh, 60 seconds, ready, set, go. Hey, what you treasure often leads to a path for your heart to follow. And your heart is, uh, very valuable to God. And when he has your heart, he usually has everything else. So really it was a sermon on money, but really more importantly, your heart and where your heart is. And oftentimes to locate your heart, look at your money, Mm. you know? And so, uh, Jesus tethered wor- worry and money together as well, and those those are good indicators to to locate our heart. Mm-hmm. I found it really interesting. Like we talk a lot about the heart, you know, in Christianity at church. Like you know your your heart as the central hub of everything that you are. Um, but a lot of the times, you know, we think of oh, what I like. That's where I'll spend my time, my money, my talents. I'll I'll put wherever it is that I like. But Jesus almost, he flips the script in reverse. He's like, if you want to love something, then put your money towards that, and then your heart will kind of follow after. How is that just, I don't know, how does that hit you guys? Like, I just find that so fascinating for myself. I I think it's true both ways, right? There's a passive or an active, and they're both true. So we passively just let our money flow where it is. That shapes our heart. You know, Mm. passively, we'll end up probably where we don't want to go. But actively, if we're intentional about it, we can reshape our heart by making those intentional decisions. Uh, You know, a stock that I buy, I start paying attention to, you know? I mean, Mm. it's just you care you know, where you put your money, it's, it's where your focus goes. So you can, you can retrain it, be active about it or just let, let, well, and put it like this. Does anybody put their money somewhere where their heart isn't Mm -hmm. Mm. right? Probably. Now I think you could say, well, yeah, when I buy my candy bar at, you know, for a dollar, but we're we're talking about what you invest in, what, Mm -hmm. where you put a Mm. decent amount of money. And I don't think there is a place where you're investing your hard-earned money into a place your heart doesn't follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of it even is like, I'm just thinking about, you know, being devil's advocate here, people who are like, well, you know, I, I have a lot of subscriptions that come out of my bank account that I don't even realize, but really you're investing in convenience for your yeah. life or just you're just making it easy. Like, you don't buy cable anymore. You just buy every internet <laughs> subscription, Netflix, Hulu, <laughs> Peacock, you, you just have all these subscriptions, and that's really just for our 
convenience, you know, convenient sales of that regard. And so we, I like what you said, Brad, we either actively do mm. that or we passively do it, but yep. we st- we're still making a choice in it. What, what I found fascinating about this passage or that you preached is Jesus's thought is like, therefore, don't worry. Uh, and you brought out some really cool stats about um, the number one thing a lot of people worry about is their money. But the antidote the reasoning, at least, that's a better way to say that Jesus talked about like, okay, well, don't money, don't worry, is because your heavenly father will provide. So this is a question I want to ask. And the next question is, how silly is it that we look towards God when we act like we're actually the ones doing the providing? Well, I think, I think it's easy to do that because, you know, it, it's just hard. There's a disconnect in your brain, right? I'm going to work. I'm doing the work to earn the money, but somehow I'm giving credit to God for things I'm doing. Mm. So it can easily find our, we can easily find ourselves feeling like, no, actually I'm, I'm providing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I get that pushback, right? People are going to say, well, okay, right. Obviously, spiritually speaking, we're supposed to say God provides, but let's mm. be honest, I'm going to work. God isn't, you know, I'm, stressed god isn't i'm dealing with all the junk that pays my bills i think what we forget and i think it's in the bible where it says that god gives you the ability to yeah. do that and i think mm-hmm. what 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 we often forget is how big god is and how easily he can take away what we think we produce mm-hmm. how easily he can take away the ability for me to do the thing that i do right so i, I try to put it like this who's really doing the work when you can't do it on your own. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we miss that part, right? We think we are the ones doing all of this when God is giving us the ability and without him giving us that, if he takes it away, it's stripped away. Then we can come to this conclusion. Okay. You're right. God is providing for us. Yeah, I think that's a first world affliction, right? We're very vulnerable to that delusion in a prosperous country. But if you talk to believers in third world countries, (laughs) you know, just say, what are you saying? I'm not working as hard as you. I'm working (laughs) crazy hard. It is totally up to God. You know, what opportunities? Well, if you go back to like the the, the Old Testament, right? One thing God would do often in the Old Testament and throughout that time frame is to remind people of who provided. What What would he bring? A drought. Mm. Right? Who controls the weather? God controls the weather. And a drought basically stripped away their ability to produce what they needed. Mm -hmm. And so God reminds them constantly, like, I bring the rain. And without the rain, you ain't got nothing. It's really hard for, like, I mean, the Old Testament, New Testament, for centuries, our world was heavily agrarian in the mm-hmm. sense of like they were mm-hmm. su- super agricultural focused. So nice they, word, so by they, the way. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> agrarian. It's a hard word to say, but... Yeah, especially with a Southern accent. So, um, But like they were really tethered to that idea that, oh, God is our provider. If, if it doesn't rain, the crops don't grow. If the crops don't grow, we don't eat. If we don't eat, we die. Like they were really connected yep. to this idea of like you are our provider in that regard. And and I loved Jesus' example. He's like, okay, look at the birds. Like, let's think about the birds here. Like, they don't, they're not the ones who's putting in the work. Actually, you're the one putting in the work, and they're just eating your food. Yeah. Um, and so he, he does this great tethering, and it's the first world problems is so much of the time when we think about our basic needs, it's, oh, I'm not that worried. The, the majority of the mm-hmm. West is not worried about where am I going to get my next meal? Because even if I have to go to like 
Walmart and buy ramen for 88 cents. Okay, yeah. I'll do that. If I only have $2 left in my bank account, I can still have one more meal at least. Um, and so we're really struggling in this disconnect. But there is one piece of Jesus' argument. He, he says that the Father will provide. So I want to ask this question that is pretty common um, in culture when like, economists or uh, people who look at the world, like how it's changing and evolving. Is there enough? Like there's a lot of conversation about like, oh, the the wise thing economically or even socially with our food shortages all across the world, like don't have any more kids. Like let's limit the population. Like let's think about how you spend your money. Like, well, is there really enough? Because the way Jesus paints it is there is. It's like a we're at a birthday party where the food's flowing, the drinks are flowing, and it's like, there's enough. Like, don't worry about it. There actually is enough. Is there? Well, if Jesus says there's enough, <laughs> there's enough. I mean, is it a problem of scarcity uh, or inequity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of greed in this world that is re, you know, you know, I probably have more than I need, you know, so... Um, <laughs> probably might probably. be the wrong word. <laughs> we do. Uh, so it's, you know, in that in that sense, yes, I mean, absolutely, God does provide. We have what we need, and eternal needs are more important, you know, than physical, mm-hmm. temporal needs. You know, we know those are taken care of, but there is a dependence. And I also think you... Okay, this word of need, right? Okay, mm-hmm. I actually think Jesus is getting at something. I didn't talk about this in the passage, but remember where he starts. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but in heaven. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that and you tether that to the word need, right? We often, when we think of need, automatically go to food, Mm -hmm. shelter, right? Those are, those are needs. Like everybody needs that. Wrong. Mm -hmm. The first need we should think about is a heavenly need mm-hmm. versus an earthly one, because that's where he started. And right. what is our greatest need spiritually yeah. mm-hmm. is to conquer our sin. Right. And we think about God's provision. He's already provided all we need. And what I mean by that is Jesus on the cross through his resurrection, because even if you die poor without food or shelter, mm-hmm. your needs are still met, right? Mm-hmm. If you know Christ, he's already provided for that need. And I think we often miss that, you know, in this idea of God's going to provide for us. We often think he's going to give us food and shelter, but I think he's already taken care of the greatest need that mm-hmm. we have. And Jesus paints that picture in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, yeah. right? Yeah. Where Lazarus was far wealthier, you know, than the rich man and the, had the important things. I, I, I just want to follow that up in my own mind with, you know, compassion for those who really are struggling in this world. I mean, there's certainly a lot of people. I mean, again, you talk about how hard people work. I know a lot of single moms work a lot harder than me for much less return on their investment. I want want to take this conversation in two directions. I want to start with uh, the the physical and then the spiritual aspects and bring them together so we can think about this. Mm -hmm. Let's start about um, the physical aspect. So like when we think about treasure, time, money, talents, if if we're just going to talk about money um, or any of those uh, aspects, how are are we in a discipleship lens of like following Jesus supposed to think about our excess? Oh, excess of our talent, time, or money. If we want to live that lifestyle of Matthew 6, 33, first the kingdom of God, well, what are some practical ways that we can tie these together in our discipleship and live 
kingdom-minded, Jesus-minded, you know, eternally-minded with our excess of our time, our money, and our talents? That's a great question. And this is, this is a question that my wife and I constantly, like, talk about, right? And I would say, you know, when it comes to like budgeting, we follow like the standard procedure. We give 10% of our income to the church and then we we budget, try to be generous. But we're all, also constantly evaluating of like, oh, hey, when we have savings, what do we do with that, right? Mm-hmm. Do, we, do we put a porch on? Do we, I don't know, redo a bathroom, right? Things that are, can feel very like I'm not building the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm building what I want. And, and this is how I look at it. And I don't know if this is 100% the best way for everybody, but I always look at everything that I have, right? My house, mm. my, whatever God has given me. Um, if I put something into my house, I always, when I do upgrade something, I do it with a promise. God, I'm going to use your house for your kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And so that mentality, I think, is the most important thing. No matter what I have or whatever I'm upgrading, if you buy a vacation home, God, help me to use this to reach people far from God. Help this to be a safe haven for people who are struggling. Help me mm-hmm. to invite people that I have conversations with the gospel with. So mm-hmm. I try to use this backdrop of, like, no matter what it is, I'm going to use it for your kingdom, God. And I think it strips away, this is mine, and I, mm-hmm. oh, this is for me, and I'm gonna, I want to just relax and retire here. And when everything is about what you want and what you desire and how this is going to make your life easier and better, mm-hmm. I feel like you miss out on the kingdom-mindedness. But if you have the mentality of whatever it is, little or small, it's yours, God, and help me use it for your kingdom. Yeah, I love that. And I I know from personal experience, you and Ashley are incredibly generous. You're extroverts. You know, hospitality is a spiritual gift. Sure. It's an opportunity to really bless and encourage. And you guys, I mean, having all the teens over to your house or whatever it might be, it's, um, yeah. So it was like, do I build that porch or not? So how is it to be used? Yeah. For what purpose yep. You know, do I have have that porch? But I, I, You, I you brought up one aspect that I was interested. Like you, you talked briefly, you mentioned retirement. So how are Christians supposed to think about retirement when it comes to like a 401k or where the kids should be like thinking about that and thinking about the time that you'll have whether you are able to retire at 65 or 75 or 90 even like how are you supposed to think about the excess of time that you may be given because you were wise with your money you stored up some like how are you supposed to think about that but I mean I can tell you how I, I how I'm planning for that. Like, mm-hmm. so I I have this goal. I I would like to retire early. And when I say retire, I don't even necessarily mean stop my job, but just no longer take a paycheck. Right? Mm-hmm. Reassignment. Um, yes, That's what some ex- exactly. Said. Yeah. I just look forward to the time. I'm, and I think we can talk about different seasons because Brad, I think you're in a different season mm-hmm. than I am. Right? In the sense of you're getting closer to retirement. I've got a long ways. But right. I when I, when it comes to retirement, I look forward to the time where I have more time. Like right now I feel so bombarded with work and then family that mm-hmm. I feel like it eats so much of my time where mm-hmm. I wish I could use more time to, to invest in things. I look forward to the day when I don't have to take a paycheck, but can still volunteer at a higher capacity where mm-hmm. I can right. l- invite people over and have conversations that I just can't cause I got kids and it, it, it the craziness. So I think there are seasons in life that are all used to be are all supposed to be used for the kingdom of God, 
depending on that season, doesn't give you the excuse to, oh, now it's my time. No, it's never your time. It's mm. the kingdom's time until you go to be in the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's just different seasons comes with a different different adjustments. Yeah, I think we're on the same wavelength about that. And, you know, a couple of things. One is it's not a binary, right? It doesn't go from 100% employment to 0% employment. Like, yeah. for me, I'm in a transition. Yep. Um, I left paychecks, you know, earlier this year. And spoiler alert, ministry pays less than paychecks. <laughs> you literally did leave wow. paychecks. <laughs> you left paychecks. That's funny. I did leave paychecks. But I had, you know, because of decisions we made, right, in terms of margin, in terms of saving, is my are my retirement funds there, you know, for me just to kick back on a uh, desert island, a resort, or is it now I have freedom? Now mm. I have opportunities. It's not that I want to stop working. Mm. It's just that I want to work. I want to have the freedom to choose what I think is important, but maybe the economy doesn't, yes. right? I mean, my son is a software developer. That is rewarded, right? That's mm. a scarce resource. So, they, But, you know, the world doesn't necessarily... Um, have kingdom values yeah. when it re- mm. records, you know, when it rewards work. So for us, it's, you know, we have a smaller house in the city, right? I mean, but it's just, we're very content. We're very blessed. But for us, it's just like with that margin mm. is that transition. I, 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 I want to always be working, right? Mm. It's just that maybe, you know, maybe it's less stressful. Maybe it's a few hours, a little more flexibility, but yep. always using, always doing kingdom work. Mm. And I, I think this is, it brings up a, a topic that maybe we haven't thought about provision, but like we often think God's provision is like blessing from heaven, manna from heaven, right? <laughs> Sometimes God provides for you through your wise choices, yeah. right? So like we think of retirement, some of God's provision comes from you planning out right now and saying, yeah. hey, let's make wise choices now now so we can get to where we want to be to continue to build the kingdom, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we, we often think just God provides where he's got to send you something, but sometimes God just provides by giving you the wisdom to make mm-hmm. the right choices that will set you up for success in the future. Yeah. Right. That's where you soak yourself in Proverbs, you know, yeah. in that kind of wisdom and big picture thinking and applying the priorities of the kingdom, you know, yes. self-control and the ability to apply the priorities of the kingdom. How does that reshape what you do with your money? Yeah, it brings up, you know, Philippians 4, where Paul, like that famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, but like that's in the sits in that context of contentment. Like yeah. Paul says, I've learned to be content so in huge. all things. Bro, you're still whether, my thunder in I know, our, right? our series in September. <laughs> know, it's like, like, like the, people are going to forget about this. <laughs> That's right? true. And so, uh, but Brad, you brought up a good question before we started recording of using wisdom to choose a standard of living that yes. honors God. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there's probably people listening to this that are making minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's people listening to this who maybe, you know, like you mentioned your son, software development, maybe make a good mm-hmm. living for themselves. How do people on all spectrums decide, like, how do I use wisdom to honor God with the amount of income that I have? Like, what are some guiding principles? Obviously, we can't say, like, well, you should do this much, this much, and this much, like, yeah. um, without I mean, knowing. I mean, if you read financial literature, you've always seen that people, when they're surveyed, you know, if they make $50,000, say, how much do you really need? And, you know, 70000 100000 20000 whatever it is. 
it's kind of consistent. It seems like everyone figures they would be okay if they made 50% more. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what their income is if they made 50% more. <laughs> That's fine. So there is that affliction, right, of always, whether it's through anxiety, mm-hmm. right? It's a yeah. lack of faith. It's this nervousness. It's this desire for security to build a hedge against all the bad things in the world that say, I, I, I need a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't. You have mm-hmm. a Heavenly Father who's taking care of that. And if you can just then say, listen, what if I lived on 50% less than what I make? Because people are doing it. There yeah. are people making less money than me, and they're getting by. So yeah. can I choose to live and be their neighbors and to choose that lifestyle? And what that does is maybe then now there's more peace that God wants me to enjoy anyway you know, in this life mm. and freedom and margin to be a blessing. And then others around us can be thankful that we have what yeah. we have because the fact that we have what we have is a blessing to our community. That's why budgets are so important because mm-hmm. a budget, doesn't change based off of what you make. Right. And what I mean by that is if you lay out a budget that says, hey, we're going to live off 80% of our salary, we're going to give 10% away, and mm-hmm. we're going to save 10. Mm-hmm. No matter how you how much you make, those buckets don't change, right? Mm-hmm. You still have 80% of whatever the number is. You just shift it, and what you bring in changes, but those buckets don't. And so it saves you from when you, most people, this is the way they believe, right? If I made 50% more, I'd be okay. I'd save, I'd be generous. The problem is they make 50% more and those things don't change because there's no system. Their lifestyle changes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You you just brought up a word that most Americans, you know, you're foreign to the language. I just did a quick Google search because I have my laptop here. Uh, It says, uh, according to CNBC.com, 73% of Americans do not follow the budget they made, and here's a, here's one penny hoarder the pennyhoarder.com, which is a, a fun budgeting website. If you've never looked at that, says 55% of Americans say they don't ever use or make a budget. 50, so over half of Americans don't ever use or make a budget, and 73% of those who may or may not make a budget don't even follow that said budget. And so you brought up the, a very interesting word, like using mm. a budget, which yeah. is the only way you're actually going to be able to... Or marry someone who uses a budget. Marry yeah, well, wise. And again, we talk, we, <laughs> Jesus talks about worry, and we wonder why 77% yes. of Americans worry about mm. their money. 25%. It, 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 like, all the time. Like, you worry about it all the time. 58% say it controls their lives. Why? Because we just randomly throw our money mm-hmm. at whatever the wind blows. Oh, that looks good. Let's buy it. Oh, mm-hmm. that's nice. I like it. Let's buy it. Mm-hmm. And we never think like, oh, wait, does this fit in the buckets I've created? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would say 50% of people would drop at least 50% of their worry if they lived by a budget. Mm. Right. Yes. How freeing. And, and if you're and it's a learned skill, like I mean, for example, mm-hmm. like I mean, I was always taught to to live on a budget, but it wasn't penny for penny, you know, like of everything. And we, my wife and I, started that like two years ago, like penny for penny. Like we want to budget every cent that comes in, every cent that goes out. And then it was like a couple of months, like figuring out, like okay, like we said we're only going to spend twenty five dollars in this category or two hundred dollars in this category, like learning to actually do that said thing, like planning well. And yeah. and then like when you spin it all, you're like, I still got a week left. You know what? Let's fi- We'll figure it out. Let's spin it. It's <laughs> like, of like learning to like discipline yourself, that contentment, man. It's a, it's a learned skill. And yes. It's a long process. I, I think all three of us married well, uh, but my wife, I mean, you know, 
decades ago, Larry Burkett told us to use envelopes, and she still takes an envelope with cash to the grocery store. That's awesome. You know, when we go out to eat, you know, it's the envelope with cash that pays pays for. How, how about out. this? We we have a a twenty first century hack other than envelopes. So uh-huh. there's like a there's a cash app. You know, has uh, an app where you can like send each other cash. Like if Drew paid for lunch, I could send him like ten dollars in cash or whatever, uh-huh. just through the cash app. But they have a card, like a debit card, that you go with it, and we put weekly the amount that we're going to spend on groceries on that ah, cash app card. There you go. So we don't look at our debit card balance. We look at like well, okay. they do that with credit cards now. Like mm-hmm. if you go to Mint.com, it yeah. will track all of you. Like so, if you use one card, now I'm mm-hmm. not saying people. If you're struggling with money, a card's probably not a good idea. But as you grow, like our card basically dumps in piles so we have our budget broken down and it Mm -hmm. says hey this is how much this month you spent on car groceries and it's all through my credit card because we put we gain points our credit card pays us to use it it's a wonderful thing it gives Mm -hmm. us extra things that we don't budget for because we manage our money wisely Mm -hmm. and i'm telling you if you're listening there is hope right Mm -hmm. there's hope if you're, you're struggling with your money right now it's okay if you're worried let's put some things in practice that will help you and you can win the battle. Yeah. And the, the number one thing would be a budget. Like if you want to use mint, uh, mint.com is a great budgeting app. Uh, every dollar, which is through Ramsey solutions company that they do a class called financial peace university. If you want to, if you're like swimming in credit card debt, student loan debt, you know, that's a great resource that we'll link below in the show notes and Mm -hmm. you can even find it. We'll have a link to staples.com where you can buy paper envelopes. Yeah. Paper envelopes, staples. (laughs) We'll put that in there. And so there's hope on the other side, no matter how, you know, bad you are. If you, if you make a plan together as a couple or a single person, uh, make a plan and then just work your plan. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll reach your goals and then have some people maybe even thinking earlier in our conversation, we're talking about margin. They're like, I don't even have any margin, uh, because I'm just, I feel like I'm drowning, um, in that regard. But let's, let's talk about the end. Let's use our next few minutes of this conversation, uh, to talk about the, the spiritual side of that investment of investing in the, mm-hmm. the kingdom of God, like how does this physical connect to the spiritual? And really, what is this? What is this end goal about? Of first, seek the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and then all these things will be added unto you. Like how do we like keep our eyes set on the end goal and the prize at the end? Was it Randy Alcorn that said, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead? Mm -hmm. So there are ways we can use our money that, you know, please God, you know, that honor the kingdom, um, that don't enrich us. And hopefully, and and we, you know, wrap this together with all the other sermons, uh, you know, that we've been covering here on the Summer on the Mount is um, that, you know, that practice of secrecy. It's not about, it's not about building a name for yourself or reputation for yourself, but it's just that opportunity to pay forward what God has blessed mm. us with. And to start with faith, right? You know, this all has to come from a heart that isn't yeah. consumed with worry, anxiety, chaos, just yeah. how will we, you know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a heart at mm. peace, yeah. right? That is just resting in the generosity and the confidence that, what I give away, I mean, God will be pleased with, mm, and God yeah. is still providing. And the result of that, uh, uh, the result of a heart and a budget that is investing in kingdom-minded things mm-hmm. actually brings the thing that we spend our money on hoping it will bring, is satisfaction, is mm-hmm. contentment, is peace. All mm-hmm. these things that we are after and we chase down the wrong things, a life that seeks first the kingdom of God yeah. mm-hmm. brings. And... I don't know how we convince people 
of that, right? Or I don't know how we, Mm -hmm. even my own heart, it's so easily to think that, man, oh, if we got that, I'd feel really good, right? And it, yeah, it does, but not really. It's just kind of like, oh, you know, I'll give a great example of this. Like, we just, uh, I like to do a lot of projects myself to save me money. We just put like a little roof over a part of our deck and, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. We say, I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait. It's going to make everything great. And honestly, I woke, I walked out this morning and I was like, this isn't even, I like, I'm not, I don't even, this, what? I, I just, I was like so frustrated. I was like, ah. And I, how many times do we fall in that dumb trap? Cap, cap, captivated by something that means absolutely nothing yeah mm-hmm. it's awesome until you walk out of the store or drive it off the lot or like it's like <laughs> exactly. oh wow <laughs> yeah and I, I love what you said brad just to wrap us up here of like it takes a heart of faith to to think there is enough my heavenly father cares loves yes. and mm-hmm. and that word need like what do i really need mm-hmm. if you focus on training your heart through those two things that Jesus says, our eyes, like what we intake, mm-hmm. and our wallets are connected, and they're going to guide our heart in a direction, uh, and we take a proactive uh, stance on disciplining ourselves so we can be shaped and focused on the kingdom of God. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be a life well-lived and well-spent, and we'll you know, we'll truly be able to echo the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give um, than mm. to receive. So. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for those additional resources, even getting yourself some envelopes if you want to. Uh, we'll see you next week on A Little Better.